Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. A few of us have assembled to bring you a bit pod recording tonight. We've decided against making a trip down to the EFL offices to harass the admin staff who work in the offices there, uh, as tempting as that was. And we're going to talk about things instead, because um, that's definitely a, a more productive way to spend your week. Oh, well, or an hour even. But the point I was making was he was down there a week that... That bloke doing all sorts of stuff, wasn't he? Right, we are going to talk tonight um, about the salary cap, which is obviously the uh, announcement of the um, League One and League Two clubs voting in favour to bring in a salary cap. was good timing for us today. Also talk about the signing Sunderland have made and uh, how the squad is shaping up in general. We'll uh, have a quick discussion on the new kits, because why not do some positive stuff as well? And uh, if we've got time... We'll talk about the social distancing measures and the, the, the fact that fans might be able to return uh, to football soon. So, joining me tonight, I have Richard Easterbrook. Hello. Hi, I have Michael Luff. Hello. And of course, because we're talking about salary caps and finances, <laughs> we will be doing you a disservice if we didn't bring in the uh, finance. We put the, nice. we put the F sign, we put it out in the air, and he has come... To speak to us tonight, Christopher Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. Getting, getting excited. Getting the, excited the, there. The thing is, the right. way you've described that isn't even that dissimilar from what happened. Because until like about five hours ago, I was nothing to do with this podcast. <laughs> Don't say that. You were. You are. No, I, I was just, How you know, there was been? always three of us. So I always needed one more. And then I thought, well, it is obvious. We'll, we, will, um, we will get Chris in to do that. And we might as well crack on with that straight away. Um, although we we will just say that um, in case you aren't aware, the PFA have since come out and made a statement um, to speak against this, haven't they? Um, and they've said the EFL has ignored its legal obligation to consult with the PFA and the Professional Football Negotiating and Consultative Committee. As such, uh, the legal advice we've received is clear and that the salary cap envisaged by the EFL would be unlawful and unenforceable. Your thoughts on that first, Chris? Um, I mean, pretty expected, I think. I mean, it's, a, just, it's a union, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly, it's a union, and there's not really probably a union worth the salt who are going to be, like, just willfully accepting um, that the members are going to lose out, which I think... And I think, to be fair, I mean, if, if what they're saying is true and, like, the EFL haven't properly consulted them, I mean, it's pretty short-sighted, and it's pretty daft, because this is, like... This is like a really kind of like seismic change that they've tr- that they've brought it through today, and, and, and I, I mean they're, they're trying to say it's with immediate effect, but the PFA as well is saying that they've served its notice of arbitration on the AFL, and until yeah. such time that arbitration is determined one way or another, 
the new regulations should have no effect. Yeah, which make, which again makes sense, and I, it's just like I mean, I think I, I've got sympathy for the AFL in one way because I think despite and I know we'll go into like the effects on like Sunderland and and what we what like our fans might think about, it, but I think the reason they've tried to bring it in with immediate effect is because of like the gravity of the situation it's facing a lot of clubs as a result of like the pandemic and to be fair the way football finance was going anyway but obviously it's been accelerated so I think I do have a bit of sympathy but when that is the case you would think they would do everything they could to get people like the PFA on side so I mean without like bashing the EFL because it is it is easy to do we do it quite often like if they haven't followed the proper procedures and stuff and that they're kind of hamstringing themselves from the start yeah um your immediate thoughts on that? I'll come to you, Richard and Michael, before we let Chris dive into the finance stuff. Because <laughs> uh, well, there's, two, there's two ways of looking at this, just to try and generalise it. And the, and the positive thing is it will bring all clubs uh, closer together. Um, it, it puts a lid on people um, overspending and damaging themselves and causing self-harm uh, financially. But the negative is that um, there's a strong argument to say that if... if if clubs earn more than others and have more income than others because they're bigger clubs and they bring in um, more fans, um, sell more merchandise and stuff, then then they should be able to spend that money how they are safe fit. So th- those are the two general arguments for and against. Well, exactly. It just sounds a bit odd if you've got Accrington at one end of the scale um, having the same kind of spending power as Sunderland at the other end of the scale. You know, it's it, that needs to be taken into consideration. It can't just be one flat cap because it's everyone operates on different variables so it's straight out the blocks I think it's a bit of a non-starter for me yeah I'd agree with what you're saying there Um, I think another worry I have about the new rule when this come in is it might weaken the standards of the league quite considerably because I think players who would previously be minded to sign for a league one club might be able to get better wages in different countries so I think that might have a knock on effect and then you might have a situation where clubs who are getting promoted to the championship are a lot weaker so they're coming straight back down so I just think it might have a knock on effect for the general standard of the level that we're playing at there's definitely an argument for that. I mean, some players would potentially be sitting on the bench at a championship club and then think, right, I need, I need to get out of here to reignite my career. And then suddenly if, if the way to do that is to take a massive, massive pay cut because we know that the, the championship throws money around, um, then they might not do that. So I, I, I take your point with that. Chris, do you want to break down exactly how this works for, for some people? Because it's not that black and white, really, unless you are... Of a finance mind like yourself, unless you're sad, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think that's fair because I had a few people asking the day, and it isn't that clear. So basically, because um, I think when this first came in, we, we all heard two and a half million, and we we're like, "Well, hang on, that's what we're apparently paying out on players that aren't even at the club anymore." So it's kind of like, "Well, how on earth can we comply with this?" And basically, what they've done, it's like a transitional thing. So all of the players that we've got contracted over the age of 21 or 21 and over as of today um, their contribution to the cap so obviously they'll still get paid however much they're on but their contribution for like the purposes of the cap is like an average and they've done it on like the average league one wage which hasn't been confirmed but it's been reported in quite a few places has been like uh, £1,750 a week 
So if you work it out, if we've got 18 senior pros, which I think we do if you include Denver Hume and Elliot Hamilton, who would, it's hard. It's, they're right on the cusp of that 21 borderline, but just based on what I've read today, it does look like they would fall into like the senior squad. So we've got 18 players who are allowed 22. If those 18 players, um, if we put them all on that average wage, we've got about, I think we've got 860 grand left to play with for the year. Which works out at about um, sixteen grand a week, sixteen and a half grand a week, across four players who we could bring in over the age of twenty-one. So I don't think I think. Firstly, I don't think it's as I, I've got some other thoughts of it. I, I certainly don't think from that point of view it's as disastrous as it might initially sound to us, because obviously we all know that our wage bill is we over two and a half million. So having that kind of transition element in, um, that to help to clubs like us. Um, I think um, oh, then the other the other kind of valid point to note is that yeah you can have a maximum of 22 players this season then that's going to drop um, to 21 the season after then 20 the season after that so I think the whole point of it is and again like it might be hard harder for us to see it from this perspective but the whole point of it is like what you said before Stephen about it's about looking after clubs and it's about um, it's about stopping clubs from going bust, and like I, I think Berry, again, are a good example. I mean, they they chucked chucked a lot of money at players, and then the owner ran out of money, and and we know how and we know what happened there, kind of thing. So it's to it is to try and avoid that sort of situation happening because for the most part, for a lot of clubs, the highest for a lot of businesses, the the highest costs are like staff wages. So that's what they're trying to combat. And I can, I can understand why people are a bit miffed, but I think from our perspective, we've had this like financial advantage for two, so, so-called financial advantage for two years. Not really we've worked out, has it? Well, exactly. Yeah. This, this is what I mean. I mean, I was, I was thinking about it there before and I was thinking, you know, like if this salary cap had been in place 18 months ago, we wouldn't have been able to sign Will Grigg. And now that's just one, one player I'm at I'm identifying, and I'm not I'm not blaming him, and I'm I'm not blaming anyone in particular kind of thing. But the move hasn't worked out. But we all know it cost us a lot in transfer fee at this level, and it's costing us a lot in wages. And now <laughs> things don't happen in isolation. And like we've what's happened since then, it's been pretty clear that there's been like a lot of cost cutting across the board. The team suffered, the academy suffered, the club as a whole has suffered, and I think. It kind of one upside, I think, is it, stupid decisions like that. It gets rid of it gets rid of like any incentive to do that because you're gonna you're gonna break the cap. And I think I take I take the point about accurate, um, but there's there is also like a fair point to be made in that like because we keep we keep saying well we earn a lot more money than every other club and all this sort of thing we also spend a lot more money than every other club like we've, we've talked at length on here about like how this football club isn't sustainable in this division yeah. now now I, I think ultimately like it's not the case that we're going to be like earning money and then we've just got loads of money sitting sitting around that we can't spend actually like we st- we're, we're going to lose money in this division the longer we spend here because income's going to go down, but the cost to run the stadium, whatever else, is going to—it's not going to reduce. Well, the so, cost—the cost of running the stadium is probably about the same as the the average League One wage, well, if not more. 
it, it'll be yeah, it's more. I think electricity like, bill will be huge. I think it's it, it's hard to tell for definite, but if you look at the accounts that came out last week, like once you strip out all the like wages and like transfer fees and whatever else, and if you look at just like what they need to keep the lights on, it was about like twelve million quid a year. And like in this division, the longer we stay here, the more likely we are to drop below that level of income. So I think like I, I get I get why people are peeved, but the fact of the matter is we we are still gonna have to rely on owners putting money into the club in this division. So it it's not really like it's not like we can turn around and go, Hey, we're we're really sustainable in this league, like we should be allowed to spend more. I think the other I'll stop rambling in a minute, but the other point, um that I took from it is it, there's, an, there's actually an opportunity here like ultimately now I, I get I do I think possibly the most valid criticism of it is about the gap that it, it might open up between the championship and league one I would argue that there's already a pretty big gap there like if you look Charlton came straight back down Barnsley would have come straight back down if, if Wigan's owners hadn't done what they did which was an absolute scandal and Luton only got out of it through like a really good run from a manager who who's just well suited to them. So I think so. There's already a there's already a really big gap. And well, and exactly. I, so people would be worried that's going to get bigger and yeah, harder. They are going to get. They are going to put like the die is already kind of cast in that regard. And I think like ultimately, yeah, okay, we're one of we're one of the clubs who are in this division and think and I agree that we're too big to be in this division. Now. That doesn't change just because we're now limiting how much we can spend on players. Like for years, we've whinged about players coming here for a payday, saying they only they only come to Sunderland because they want to get paid a bit extra money. Like two years ago, there was a player who who came up here, asked for more money, and this this was the owner was on record saying this at the time. Came up here, said he wanted X amount of money. And we said no, that's too high. And he went and signed for a, for a team in the league above for less money because he thought I can come to Sunderland and I can get more money. Now that we, I think we'd all agree, those aren't the sort of players we wanted at the club. That's not going to happen now. No, yeah. I, and I was yeah, I was I, think, that, I was yeah. thinking about my stop yeah, I was thinking about that earlier actually. If 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 we'd had if we had some of these um, restrictions in place when we were in the Premier League, yeah. uh, it might have helped us. But of course. They weren't in place. They aren't in place, really. And a lot of people are asking why the EFL haven't um, extended this to the championship, even if it's a, if it's a lot higher. I, th- I think a big issue is, and this was a point I hadn't really thought about until I re- read it a few weeks ago, because it, it was in reference to like the owners and directors test. The EFL are a little bit like hamstrung in that they can only move at like the pace that the the clubs want them to. If you know yeah. what I mean. So like. The championship are talking about it, but unless the championship clubs all turn around and go, hey, no, we we want a cap as well. Yeah. Like the league, which which is an issue, which is an issue in like football governance in itself. And I'm not saying that that makes it all okay, but um, I think ultimately, if we take a step back from this, I do think for football as a whole, I don't actually think this is that a bad thing. I think like if if we if we're serious about keeping the amount of clubs we have in the league currently and there's an argument that there's too many clubs in the league a lot of people won't hear it but there is an argument um, if we're serious about keeping the league at 72, 92 clubs 
then something does need to be done. And especially with what's going on, because clubs are going to go at the wall. And I, and I think, like, yeah, from our perspective, we can look at it and say, well, this isn't fair. We're a bigger club. We should be allowed to spend more money. But on that point, we still do have... Nobody's actually taken any money away from us. They're just saying we can't spend it on players. Now, so if that's the case, and we've said, well, actually, we've, we've got this pot that we were going to spend on players... Why don't we go and why don't we put it in the academy? There's a reason why they've said players under the age of 21 don't count towards this. Why don't we put it in recruitment? Why don't we put it in like data stuff that we should have been doing anyway? There's an opportunity here. Like Brentford are the easy example. Brentford, like the season before last, had like the third or fourth lowest wage bill in the championship, and they've just been 90 minutes away from getting the Premier League. So it's if if you do to me anyway, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but there's an opportunity here to be smart about it. We've complained for years that we do things stupidly as a club, so here's an opportunity to go right. I tell you what, we'll spend a fortune on data guys, we'll spend a fortune on the best academy coaches, on the best kids, and we'll bring them through. Like to me, that's an opportunity. I'd rather we did that than keep pissing money up the wall on like journeymen who we're going to have to get rid of if we do get promoted anyway. Agree. Yeah, I I I do agree with that, but I I think it's just the the idea and the principle of the thing, isn't it? In a way that the, somebody's restricting you uh, and telling you, you know, you can't spend money on your on your stuff, um, which which what is mean, what the yeah. union obviously aren't yeah. aren't happy about. But um, it's one of you like thing. to think that there would. Sorry, go ahead. I thought one thing I, I was just thinking about there, and, and Chris kind of touched on, is that agents and players do see Sunderland as a payday um, but they're going to have to get wise to that because they're going to go around clubs and they're going to know that every club's going to have the same kind of pot uh, same kind of, of percentage to play with and they won't be able to play clubs against each other with too much of a margin they'll probably be able to do maybe a little bit of, of, of playing against each other but not for huge paydays like they could get by coming to Sunderland And Chris am I right in thinking that agent fees are included in this? Yeah, so it's basically, I think the best way to put it is it's basically any cost incurred by getting a player registered. So yeah, so agent fees are included. So so they're going to see a hit. So, hotels a hit. as well. I, <laughs> I think literally like pretty much like kind of any, the, from what I read there today, it is pretty much anything that helps you sign. So the main things that are excluded are promotion bonuses. So there, there's a there's an opportunity you say to players, I tell you what, like you get it, you get us promoted. He's a, he's a whacking great sum. Kind of thing. And to be fair, that's what a lot of clubs in the championship do already. Like, yeah. Off the top of my head, Wolves, Cardiff, Fulham, Sheffield United—they've all done it in recent years because it's all it's allowable under like the the regulations there. So there's promotion bonuses and then there's cup bonuses. So if we somehow manage to clear the hurdle of Gillingham in the first round of the FA Cup this year. Um, you could you could incentivise them that way. So there are there are areas around it, and there are. I, we it's not like 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 I've just said. We we still have a financial advantage. It's just being smart with it, and we've had a financial advantage for two years, and we haven't been smart with it. So it would be nice if it encourages us to to be smarter with it. I guess we're going to find out now then, because we, we've always always had this idea as a Sunderland fan, or a romantic idea that. People want to play for the club because it's a big club, great supporters. And as we've just touched on there, actually, when you strip it all back and you find out that that's not the case at all and people tend to come up here because they know they're going to get more money than elsewhere. 
So we're about to find out, aren't we, if that is the case? Because in League One, it shouldn't be an issue. Shouldn't be an issue. But I still think that, like, really, because it, it, it's not like, like, okay, yeah, it's a level playing field, but that doesn't mean anyone's gone ahead of us in terms of like their level of attraction, sort of thing. Like you've just said there, Stephen. Like, really, if a player knows, look, this is the maximum wage I can get in this division. We should be able to turn around and go. Well, why the hell would you want to go get that anywhere else? Come, come get it here. Like, I, I take what I take. Mickey's point earlier about players going abroad. I honestly think it's overblown. The idea with that, the vast majority of players in this league, are end up doing like a merry-go-round in this league. Regardless, like the the, there will be a bit of a talent dream. That there's going to be the odd one, but I think in the grand scheme of things, like we should still be able to pick up the best. Of what's available at this level, I, I do. I think possibly the main um, potential drawback is see where see where flying, and there's a team in the championship struggling in January, and they they turn around and go, I don't know. See, we've got a twenty goal a season striker. They they turn around and go. I'll tell you what, we'll we'll offer you three times what you want down there. Now that that that's a drawback, and everything's going to have a drawback, but. I, I do think if we're smart about it, there's no reason why. I mean, let's let's be honest, this shouldn't affect us for more than more than a year, really. It's it opens a kind of worms the way, I guess, because it, it means now that players who come in might not be on the same as players who are already here and stuff. And you you can't take the human element away from football, and yeah. we've we've all heard those stories before, so. It, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. It'll be really interesting to see if the PFA can can do anything with this, really. Um, and, and and that's one, you know, I am I'm, I'm fascinated to see if it, if it's just all bluster from them or whether they are right what they're saying. And uh, uh, you can't just suddenly do that. So we'll see. Um, it doesn't affect people who we've signed um, already this summer. Uh, Bailey Wright, Aidan O'Brien, so far. Uh, Michael, happy with? Well, we'll start with the one who we all know and we are all familiar with. Yeah. Sunderland looked a lot better last season um, when Bailey Wright was playing. Yeah, I mean in Bailey Wright, I think we've essentially got a championship quality centre half from what I saw of him when he played. He um, we kept four clean sheets in five games when he did play, and I think I saw a stat before he signed for us on loan that he's actually quite a good ball player when you look at the stats. So I think he was um, up then either top for kind of a pass completion rate for centre halves in the championship, which is really encouraging. Um, but no, I'm really pleased that we've got Bailey Wright. But he was kind of a player that without kind of just wanting to put a downer on it you'd kind of expect us to sign um, and I'm really pleased as well to be fair with uh, is it remember Jan and Villa Mickey yeah true remember Jan and Villa uh, to be fair we probably shouldn't lead a witch hunt about Cannes should we when after the Cannes <laughs> for Jan thing a few years ago um, <laughs> But um, no, I'm pleased that we've got is it um, Ian O'Brien from Millwall. I'm I'm pleased with him. Yeah. I mean, when you look at like purely statistically with him, maybe you don't get that excited. But I know you can't take too much off a YouTube compilation because once I made Josie Altador look like Didier Drogba. But 
I think that um, looking at the different types of goals he scores, he looks as though he feeds off scraps, he gets in the right areas and he scores all kinds of goals which can only be a positive and the uh, two occasions he's been in this league before he scored um, like 15 plus goals so if he can replicate that this season then he'll be our top scorer by a country mile based on what we've seen from White and Grigg, so yeah I'm, I'm pleased with the two signings we've made be interesting to know where he plays because am I right in thinking he, he he said he prefers to play out front but he, he also plays out wide as one of the wide forwards as well yeah I saw a lot of Millwall fans saying that he hasn't really had a fair crack of a whip playing up front in his kind of natural position so hopefully he'll be able to, to do that here but it's also good that he um, brings that versatility as well because if we are going to be limited in terms of squad size it's good if you can have somebody who can fill in for positions in what will be a very long and gruelling season again yeah, uh, what about uh, going back to Bailey Wright in, in defence, Richard? Do we do we think that's enough? Because I, I mentioned there when I asked the question, we looked a lot better when he was in the team. Flanagan signed a contract. Yeah. Willis, uh, we, we know, excelled. It's a good back three on paper, but of course, Bailey Wright got injured and his injury record is not great. Yeah, and obviously you've got to factor in the fact we don't have uh, Alamos Turk. Um and to a much lesser extent, uh, Baldwin as well. So you, you, would, you would think, and Joel Lynch to so a much lesser extent. Yeah, that, and that's, Lynch a, as well, that's, yeah, that's a harsh Lynch. line on him. <laughs> so I think we do need a few more bodies through. Um, um, I'm not sure we've got the the depth in in, in the under 23s to to blood through um, just yet. But yeah, I think we need a couple more bodies. Yeah, we definitely that, need to set. Another reason why we definitely need a centre-half is because Parkinson really likes to play that um, system with three centre-backs. So if you've got um, a couple of injuries, you've either got to drop to four at the back or, like you say, you've got a kind of trust lads in the under-23. So I think it's very important that we have as many bodies as possible who are capable of stepping in when needed at centre-half. And especially when you've got the the fact that the 46 games this season are going to be condensed into a, a month shorter space in a way. Yeah, you know, in, in regular seasons, so so there's going to be more, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday struggling games. So <laughs> <laughs> we really, I mean, you, really need to be on top of it in terms of like squad rotation and and kind of available players. You would hope though that if they're going to go and get another centre half, that they would go and get somebody who was they thought was going to be a starter. Because this is the worst thing clubs can do, and Sunderland have been as guilty as anybody in the past is to see, oh well. We could do with back up in that area. Where let's go and get a squad player. But the only way you improve your team is to make it better. Yeah. So you see, actually, we've got three good centre halves. Let's go and get someone who's better. Ideally, it's not as easy as that. Obviously. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of games anyway to go around. So it's even if you know players are signed as covered, they'll probably still get a good few games under the belt. So you know they're all there to challenge each other. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, look, look higher than the, than, than League One and. See if we can pick up some of the the players that have been released over the summer, and see if they fancy a, a stab at League One football. Okay, um, midfield we um, are still lacking in pace and power. Uh, we've been lacking that for about seven years. Like every other club, <laughs> every should, other club in the just country. Just sign someone called Pace, and then play <laughs> alongside Max Power, and then. Every club in the country has had a midfielder who is strong, powerful, can carry the ball um, from defence to attack. And we, what, Yanam Villa, maybe, <laughs> who was only on loan for a little bit. Hey, we, we, he might be available now. He's just turned mm. 30. So. 
<laughs> young, young bastard. Um, so that that would be that would be an obvious one for one for wouldn't it for midfield? You think you think with respect, George Dobson, but better, a lot better. Yeah, I, I think like we're laughing there about pace, but like like I, I, you can't on one hand the amount of players with pace we've signed in recent years and stuff, and it's it's literally well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it's like. Um, it it shouldn't be so too hard to surely to find some like up and coming quick lad. I don't know even even if division division are too below and that sort of thing. Like, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'll tell you what on that because we, we we when I asked our Twitter followers now our listeners if they had any questions or points to raise, somebody um, put some credit the way of uh, Jim Rodwell. Now might not go that far. But when we're talking about putting money onto data and stuff, he we're led to believe he is, he is of, of of that ilk, isn't he? Where he looks at data and stuff, and and pace and power and stuff like that could come into that a little bit more, rather than somebody like Tory Corton, but who just who just aims to sign a player who he knows, who we've all heard of before. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, like we've had two years of being run, like we're still in the nineteen eighties, and it hasn't worked very well. So it'd be nice <laughs> if if we could at least progress into the twenty first century. But no, I mean, if you, if if that is the route that they're going to do, go down, then great. Like, like truthfully, if, like I know we've look, I don't understand a lot of it, and I know we've all took this before out of like the the data stuff and all that. But that is the way things are going. And like, if you want to be smart about it, you, you, look, you don't have to do, you don't have to focus every single thing that way. You don't, you don't have to like scrap all your scouts. And and see, we're just going to sign someone yeah. off a computer. Yeah. But there still needs to be an element of understanding. So yeah, you, you look at a player, exactly. you, you look at a player, and you think, "Whoa, he's a player." Exactly. And then somebody goes, "Ah, ah, 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 his date is not very good." You, you know, there needs to be some. Yeah, exactly. Mix the two. And, yeah. And if we are doing that, then then great kind of thing. I mean, like, um, I just I think like it's a it is it's a big step forward if if we are doing that, and if the manager's on board with that and and hopefully he is because like in the long run it's going to save the club money and it's, and it's going to it's going to help everyone it's just I suppose we'll wait and see I mean on, on the like on O'Brien I, truthfully like if I've if I've seen him play I can't remember <laughs> so I, so I'm not going to I'm not going to like pass pass judgement on him until I see him like the Millwall the Millwall fans seem pretty like um, pretty glowing about him um Sounds like he's got a good attitude. Like I, I read a piece um, where he, he basically a lot of his, I'm sure a lot of his friends and that like ended up in like kind of gangs and stuff, and he had to he had to take himself away from that and better himself. And obviously, he's professional football, so he has. Um, so I mean that 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 speaks well of him. But until until we see him, it's it's going to be hard to uh, to really pass judgment. But I think like go back to what we're saying, yeah, like midfield, just like just a bit of pace, just so. Just a bit of variety, because I feel like we, we constantly sign centre midfielders who all do the same thing. Like even mm. even Scowan, who I'm not I'm not sagging off. I haven't seen enough of him, and and I think actually if if he's fit, he, he he'll he'll be an asset. But he very much does jobs that we we were already doing. If if that makes sense, and I just think I think we all. Uh, the the fan base was like divided on George Honeyman, but George Honeyman. At least offered something different in terms of like the energy he brought to things, 
and I think that was what we kind of hoped for from Dobson and I'm, I'm not sure we've seen it to the extent that we want to yet and um, so yeah I, I think a bit of, a bit of youth a bit of a bit of vibrancy we need in the middle really I think the problem is we've kind of got caught in between with the um, midfielders that we've signed because we've signed the theory we've kind of gone for is to sign more ball playing footballers rather than athletes but the problem is they're not good enough footballers to justify the lack of athleticism if that makes sense so what you end up with is a load of like kind of stockpile kind of bitty kind of like average to half decent midfielders and I think across the board we just do need to see a lot more athleticism because when we do sign have a player with like a modicum of pace such as Denver Hume it stands out a country mile so as as you say, we need to kind of um, use this opportunity to really kind of like nail the recruitment because especially if the salary cap and that does come in, like your margin for error is even smaller. Well, that's the thing, right? And I, I think what you say about Hume there is a good point. Like really, when when we went through that really good spell last season, our best two players were Hume and Gooch, who were both like two of our kind of more explosive players, sort of thing. Now, once it felt to me anyway, once teams figured that out. It became a lot easier to play against. So I, th- I think you need a bit of that. Like, yeah. it's like the you know how we always joke about players who like they don't know what they're gonna do next, but they're like they're like a massive asset at times because if they don't know what they're gonna do next, then the teams they played against certainly don't. And, uh, yeah, I, I I agree completely. Nick. I'm not On sure Phil Parkinson thing, um, is gonna go for a player who doesn't know who doesn't know what he's gonna do next because <laughs> well, he is very very methodical. There's a story that came out of Middlesbrough this week that uh, Neil Warnock had a big dust up with his um, with his recruitment team because they had identified two defenders that were like top of the top of the league in terms of stats, in terms of tackles made, and one on ones and everything. And he watched them on video, and he said neither of them could could defend. He just said he called us. <laughs> he thought he's like no, neither of them are, are defenders enough for me. So it's kind of marrying those that old school, which obviously Parkinson's a part of, and. And the new way of thinking and, and kind of finding a way forward that works works for both sides. Yeah, I think that that's that, that's bang on, and I and I think there's definitely going to be people who it's not going to work. Like it does not surprise me in any way that Neil Warnock is one of the ones <laughs> who's not who's not particularly keen on it. Nah, it's not for me, son. Because yeah, I'm not sure if they have like an X shit house <laughs> reading. But, yeah, um, <laughs> you, put, you, you put your fancy machines away. But yeah, I've said it. We keep saying it, but I think genuinely, I do think there's an opportunity here. If if and I, I, I don't want to talk about potential takeovers or whatever, let, because for various reasons. But let let's assume that we are going into the season with the setup as it is then yeah like if if that's right about Rodwell that's great like let's embrace it let, let's let's try a new approach because whatever we've done for the last two years it not only has it not worked it, we've actually got worse <laughs> if ever if, if that was ever going to be possible yet it is um <laughs> we keep mentioning Aidan O'Brien and then, and then going back to the defence and then back to the midfield. Is there enough... Firstly, is there enough at that end of the field? Secondly, we've said this for a year and a half on the podcast, will a Greg... Somebody with that record at that level, should we be doing more to play to his strengths? 
yeah. anybody want to take that? I, I mean, I've, I've said this. I've said, well, no, we've all said it on on different pods. I probably said it a year ago or a bit longer when we when we're doing preseason stuff last year. Just play it, play it to his strengths. It's it it's just it's bizarre that we're a League One club, and we've got an asset like Will Grigg, who's who's a proven striker who scored goals. Um, pretty much every club he's played at, with the, with the exception of uh, I can't remember where he went, but um, we 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 shouldn't be the blip on his on his career. I'm sick of our club being the blip on players, good players' careers, and we just start, need to start playing to his strengths. I, I can't imagine that should be t- too difficult. You know, if Wigan managed it a couple of years ago, why can't we do it? Yeah, so what 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 would you say his strengths are then? I, I know that's quite a flippant response, but kind of so. Yeah, like, oh, go on, Chris. Get get the ball get the ball in the box and he scores goals. Like he yeah. he scores the vast majority of his goals from like six to twelve yards. Now that like there's, but from the certain... moment from the moment Phil Parkinson walked in though, he said that about Wyke, which was interesting fascinating to me at the time. He walked in and he said it's all about finding out what players are good at. For example, when Charlie White was at Bradford and you look at his goals, they all came from balls across the floor into the box. And I was thinking You've referenced Wyke over Grigg yeah. when you're talking about it's balls mad. into the box that's on the floor. That, that's why it's mad. Like, like, look, like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say Will Grigg's been like Will Grigg's deserved, deserved better. Like he's been amazed and all this sort of thing deserves better treatment. Like because he hasn't and he doesn't. But like, like yes, what you're saying there, Stephen. Like it, it's baffling that Grigg wasn't the one who came to mind if that was the topic of discussion. Like. You look at the goals he scores. He doesn't. He doesn't take teams on by himself. He doesn't score screamers. He score. He's like he's a poacher. Now, when we signed him, we didn't play in such a way that created bagfuls of chances for a striker. We we had a really good centre forward who often created chances for himself. Mm-hmm. Now, so but now we're, we're a year and a half down the line. Why don't we? The, the fact that we can't get rid of him, we tried our best in January, we basically ostracised him, like we used to take him to away games and then not play him. Like, nobody, nobody took him. We're, we're certainly not going to get rid of him now unless somebody in the Championship decides to take a punt, which I'd be surprised at because he hasn't never really done it at that level. So why not build a team around him? It, he, he hasn't become a bad footballer overnight. He, he might be low on confidence, which I think he kind of admitted in that interview he did. He said that the miss was it against Blackpool. He said he'd never missed one of one of them in his life. So yeah, okay, like that that's knocked him, which yeah. it will do, fair enough. But he scored goals after that. Like I just think it shouldn't be too hard to, to build a team around getting the ball getting the ball in the box and getting getting bodies in there. Because that's the other problem. We we don't get bodies into the box, so no. it's, it's it's really easy to mark one striker. Like I just I think Generally, like we've talked about there, like defensively, that's not what I'm massively worried about this season. I think, like, for all the faults of how we played at times under Parkinson, I think defense, like, that was clearly his his primary objective was to get the defense sorted out, and we did for for a big chunk of it. The problems came when when actually teams figured us out going forward, and then the pressure builds, and that's when you end up that's how you end up getting beat from that. It wasn't like we're getting overrun in defense or whatever. And I just think, to me anyway, they, they should be trying to build the team around him. Because otherwise, you've got a bloke getting paid a fortune who can't shift, who's just sat there doing nothing. 
I totally agree. I think it's been a constant feeling, and I think that that's one of the reasons why Jack Ross ultimately didn't work out in the end, because last summer, when you've got an asset like Will Grigg, it should have been the absolute priority of the entire summer to get the best out of him. And we didn't take that opportunity. Mm. We, we messed around, like kind of experimenting three at the back, five at the back, but we didn't really do our utmost to get the best out of Will Grigg because, like you say, if you get like Will Grigg firing in that league and you can kind of complement him with someone like um, O'Brien who has a good record, then you should be able to get promoted if you're solid enough at the back. Mm. There's probably people screaming at us saying that you know they're, they're not happy with his attitude or he's he's, he's the, the way he um, conducts himself on the pitch. <laughs> and um, never happy. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> no, you, no, you you do take some of that on board because it's, it's easy to, to speak. It's easy to speak about things in theory, isn't it? And um, it sometimes when you are at the game, uh, particularly in away games, it seems it it, it it does sometimes look like he's you know well is he making the runs and stuff and is he doing this and but. It does. It could come down to confidence. It's, it's, there's, I, clearly issue, there's clearly issues going on there. We don't know where players' state of minds are now because it's been yeah. a long time since since they've played football. And you know, a lot of that's been locked down, and 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 they've you know players that may have had cycle not psychological but the kind of mental problems adapting to playing at playing at new clubs might have had a little bit of time to adapt to it and maybe kind of start to get a bit more excited for the season and kind of well, I've got this opportunity to. To turn things around at Sunderland, and it's not all gone for us. You know, looking at that athletic interview that he did, he wasn't disrespectful in any way about about where he was in terms of in terms of the move, and he obviously wasn't 100% delighted to be leaving Wigan. But that said, it's a massive opportunity for him still to make a, a difference here, and I don't think the door's fully closed on that. Yeah, I I think like Stephen, I I think your point there is really fair because I think. Um, like, if 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 he hasn't been put the or if he doesn't put the effort in that, then yeah, it's fair game. I, I think the issue is for me anyway. We've never actually like we've never set up in a way that looks like we are trying to complement him. It's kind of been like you play for us now. This is how we play, and it does, and it just doesn't suit him. And, and I and I think yeah, like it's funny you brought that athletic article up, Richard, because I I thought the same. I, I thought. I thought you definitely got a hint of he was kind of almost regretting it, but like kind hopeful of, still. What's that you say again? Hopeful still that yeah yeah it yeah, was yeah, work yeah, out. In, yeah he wasn't like completely closing the door, which of course he can't because he's still being contracted to us. But like I think there's got to some, something's got to give with Greg really because we could either try. And play to his strengths and build the team around him, or we just continue with what's gone on and he's never going to play for us again. Now, you- to me, that's a complete waste of time. You might as well try because he's proven at this level whether the manager likes Charlie White or not. Will Will Griggs got a better record at this level? Without going, sorry, Chris, without going all Charlie Metfin, do you think it might benefit Will Griggs like not never having any that. fans in the <laughs> ground? <laughs> or. or, or or, or like full method. Or, or kind of, <laughs> or even if it's socially distanced, it's not going to be like the usual atmosphere no. that we're used to. It's going to be a completely different experience. So, do you think, like, with no crowd, then maybe like you might have the kind of like freedom to just like kind of play a natural game, and then hopefully we can get a few goals before we're all back to I'll, normal. Then I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell you what, Mick. 
park that because it's it's on my nose to talk about when we talk about fans coming back into the game. It's a, so it's a good it's a good point to make, and we'll we'll do it we'll just quickly before we'll have a quick break and we'll come back and do the last ten minutes. Um, goalkeeper situation: Lee Burge is that enough or not? No. No, 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 no. Ab- absolutely not. No, I, I don't think I don't even think I'd be confident with him as number one for a season. I wouldn't mind. This is this is me genuinely asking rather than um, making a comment. You, Mick, you're not a you're not a fan of the kid either, are you, Patterson? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm maybe being a little bit harsh, but and I haven't seen the under-23s as much as I have done over like the past few seasons. But when I ha- but when I have seen him, yes, I think he's a good shot stopper. But I think he's just a little bit kind of cumbersome. And the comparison I'm making is, do I think I'm going to be Simon Grayson here? But do I think he's better than Max Strychek? Probably not, from what I've seen. And Strychek. <laughs> I watched him early when I went to see Hartlepool Eastley and he made a mistake and Strijek always had a mistake in him so I'm not really confident that he's going to make it a League One level and I think he might be horrendously exposed if we have to chuck him in next season at any point but again like I'm no expert I could be completely wrong yeah. I think okay. I think we should be well, dipping into the dipping into the loan market because there's a lot of Premier League clubs with lots of good goalkeepers on the books and they're on, they're on it works a lot it works a lot for um, you know for other clubs and we, we just that seem w- to be that Wolves lad thing Disney he's been linked all summer the one yeah. they've literally just bought right. I can't say his name um, right it's like right. Eastern European I don't oh, know right. I thought he just <laughs> I thought he just couldn't say his name because it was like embargoed or something. for legal reasons yeah <laughs> right no, um, <laughs> Lord Voldemort <laughs> yeah it's, it's not it's not it's not going to be a long term problem for us you know it, it might it might be something that we need to do if we ever get promoted um, right. you know, look at look at signing another goalkeeper to, to 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 take it from there. But I think there's enough decent goalkeepers out there for us not to worry too much about recruiting that position. Okay, right. Are we going to take a break now? Yes, we are. And then we will come back and we're going to talk about fans returning to the stadium. Um, and just a quick mention on the new kits as well. Let's get some positivity into it. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. If, like me, you have been building up stock in terms of T-shirts and polo shirts over the summer why football hasn't been here, ready for football's return, you'll be interested to know that from the terraces have a new city range out. You'll be interested as a Sunderland fan because currently they've got a Sunderland city range, a Leeds city range and a Glasgow city range. So Mick, you're covered on two accounts because the Glasgow <laughs> one covers both ranges and Celtic. So obviously the Celtic one, it's all, basically what they're... What, what what Chris has done at, at from the terraces with with these with his city range um, is they have created t-shirts and polos that are heavily associated with the colours of the side you support, but it doesn't cross over into when club merchandise if that makes sense. So it's still got the casual look from the terraces badge, and that's um, going on at the moment there. So the Sunderland ones are heavily red. Mick, you'll be interested in all the Celtic ones are heavily white with green representation. So. Uh, has anybody else been doing that, by the way? Or was it yeah. just me? From the terraces and elsewhere, I've been buying loads of T-shirts um, during lockdown. I've been stockpiling for when we're Saving money back. going out to watch a football, aren't you? What's that, sorry? I said saving money to go out watching football, aren't you? So yeah, definitely. You buy stuff ready, ready to go again. <laughs> Although one point, though, day's piggy bank. <laughs> I don't know why they're bothering bringing out uh, Ra- Glasgow Rangers City thing because Glasgow's green and white, as we all know, so... <laughs> well, well, if you disagree with that comment, it's, uh, their range is blue, obviously, um, with red. But if you want to go and check it out, and as I said, the Sunderland are representing that, obviously, because um, Chris is from Sunderland and, and the company um, originates from here. Remember that you can get your 10% discount code. Chris, what is that? It is WMS10. Yeah, I see. I wanted to put something <laughs> in the spot. It's not. Did you, you know, struggle with it? It shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be that forgettable as a discount code because it's just an abbreviation for Wiseman saying 10 because it's a 10% discount, but there you go. Um, but obviously there's, there's, there's more stuff as well. short sleeve polos, long sleeve polos, um, <laughs> T-shirts, gilets. You got a gilet, Mick? I haven't got a gilet, but um, I've got a sweatshirt, <laughs> a polo, and I've just ordered a lantern jacket as well. There you go. Lots of stuff going on there, and don't forget your discount. That's the most important thing. WMS 10. Okay, welcome back to the Wiseman Say podcast. We're just going to quickly finish up for you. We've got another 10 minutes or so. Um, positivity first, lads. We did a poll on Twitter, and there was only a five hour window on this poll which is quite short for a Twitter poll because the default sentence is 24 hours and there was over a 1,000 people voted on it, which was, I was quite impressed with. And that was just to see if people like the new kits and um, 91% do. So that's nice, isn't it? That's encouraging. Yeah. The new Nike kits, of, of course, that the club have released. Oh, not released, but they've shown us them this week. They're based really smart. On previous, based on previous polls, that still means thousands of people have sent letters in support of not liking the kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly that is true. 
possibly that is true. People no, have been so really angry nice. that they're camping out at uh, Nike's headquarters, and, uh, <laughs> knocking on the door every day, commenting on the coffee machine, harassing staff members. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, what harassing staff think, members? Both home, by the way. There's echoes of of the the first Nike kit that they had. You know, with with the the solid colour on the sleeve, the echoes of the last night kit that they did for us, which was either two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, obviously, that's not remembered downside. for the footballing reasons. But I was going to say that's the only downside of yeah. this kit, is that it makes you think of that season. Exactly, in the season after it, where we where we came so agonisingly close. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 nice to see, and and I know the uh, away kit's been leaked or it's been mooted or there's been a, a, a leaked picture on 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 websites this week. And if that's if that's the kit that would that would get, it, that's going to be nice as well. Uh, well, unless it, unless it, unless Aidan O'Brien's picked up another Nike kit and with a Sunderland crest on and stuck it on, <laughs> yeah, and stood in the picture of the really Stadium of Light, then I'm going to assume I'm going to yeah yeah. Unless it's a really good Photoshop, I'm going to assume mm-hmm. that is the kit. I, I think um, I think Richard will, will appreciate this reference. I think both the kits for the sort of kits that I'll be quite proud of creating on, like the Master League on Pro Evolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to spend way too much time on that. I, I, changed, my, I changed my team's kits every two seasons. And like, <laughs> like, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, new away kits and things like that. Very Sun- Sunderland, you know, it's red and white. And I always like it when red is the prominent colour when you can see Sunderland stripes. I always remember um, going back to the very first championship manager, which Richard might remember. You two, you two were too young. Um and Sunderland's colour, you know, when it would just say goal for Sunderland and tell you which chance has got the ball and which player's got the ball and got a chance and stuff, would be white with red writing. Yeah. And I hated it. I hated it so much. <laughs> and um, this is the same. This would be the same. You know, when it's prominently white, I just don't like it. So I, I am glad about yeah. that, the red shoulders and stuff. That's why I didn't like last season's kit, to be fair. Yeah, because agreed. It, was kind of, it, was, it was white and red rather than red and white, wasn't it? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. 100%. So that's nice, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, it's good to see the stripes on the back making the comeback as well. Because for me, the last few kits haven't hasn't looked like authentically Sunderland, like you said, with the solid red back. So I'm much happier now we've got the stripes on the back as well. Definitely. Do people here buy kits? No. I, 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 <laughs> I do. I, I, I'm, I, I'm the end of the season guy. Yeah, I, um, I tend yeah. I, I tend to get them when there's like fifty percent off, and I need someone to play a five aside in. Yeah, <laughs> I got last season's away kit. Um, the blue one, but without the sponsor, which is quite nice actually. It's a, uh, but it's just like a standard template kit. You know, you see that with Wolves, and I think uh, uh, Cardiff have it as well. So it's, it's just a standard kit. But but it looks like there's a bit of yeah. thoughts going into this one, which is which is nice to yeah. see. I like how I th- you know how we take the out me for being our like finance guy. Richard, you can say the word. You can say the word. You know, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, see, Richard, I was going to call you Kit Guru, but Kit Guru. Steve, Stephen's now saying I'm going to call you Kit Nonce. So right, that's fine. That's fine. But I do, yeah. but I do enjoy. When when was it? Was it Wednesday or was it yesterday? Thursday. Uh, Thursday. The yeah, yesterday the kits were revealed. Yeah, Thursday. And Richard was like, "This is meant to be bespoke," and then it came <laughs> yeah. out. The, yeah, because yeah, my first response was like, "It's a template." <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, brought, I brought up the template that that they were going to use, and then then someone said, "Oh, it's got stripes on the back," and I was like, "Oh, oh. <laughs> my template does not have stripes on the back." <laughs> but well, but it, it, uh, it, in technical terms, there is a team wear agreement, so that template kits are usually produced and then sent in bulk to 
to the officers in uh, Spennymoor and they get the names and numbers and the, all the badges and everything stuck on. Um, so they are strictly night kits, but they're being serviced by a, a third party, mm-hmm. which is usually why you see like lower league teams wearing very similar away kits to what you'd seen with like Barcelona. I know Hartlepool had a had an away kit that looked just like a Barcelona away kit from a season before. So that that's it's usually how it works with with lower league clubs. Um, uh, but it's not happened that way with Sunderland, maybe because it's it the is, first year of the deal. It is really impressive that you are a kit guru or a kit nonce, and yet, <laughs> and yet you only buy the tops when they're on discount at the end of the season. I'm impressed yeah, with I'm that. Not, not <laughs> <laughs> I've bought. I'll be honest, but the club won't like us for this because none of us buy the kits. But um, I've bought one Sunderland top in 20 years, so that that shows you how much. But yeah, uh, that's- that's because you're a hooligan. It's not like cool for you. Man, <laughs> is it? No, from the terraces, however. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, if you look, fair play at them for that, and at least we look um, dashing on the pitch next season. If you if you do want to buy a kit, the discount code WMS10 uh, is there on the club website. If you go on, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you are the person who would do something like that, right? Okay. <laughs> Are we going to get into the stadium then to um, to watch the lads? Who's who managed to to get a season ticket, or not managed to? Because some people made a, a conscious decision not to get a season ticket. Of course, did anybody get, sneak into the twelve thousand uh, that the club could have offered? No, no, uh, not no. you, Mick. No, but I, but I haven't renewed. So, right, okay. Um, well, uh, while, while I'm while I'm furloughed, I'm not I'm not going to take financial decisions that go beyond what could be my employment. So, Richard, so that's I, the wrong I answer. You say you you supposed to say it's because of the ownership. You're supposed to say it's because of the ownership. Don't don't give us the furlough reason. Exactly, well, you're doing it for the cause. My grand. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you've got your season ticket, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, my decision was motivated by the fact that there was no guarantee that we'd be allowed in the stadium at any point. We were expecting yeah. to fork out for the, to basically watch a stream. But I mean, even um, if we do release like a few thousand more, even socially distance, I'm really keen to get back. So hopefully, yeah, that yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, mean I'll, I, I, I do have mine. Um, and before anybody calls us a scab. Um, just shine. <laughs> mine was kind of by default because my my dad buys mine as my Christmas and birthday presents, and um, he he rang me about two days before the cutoff and said I've I've got the season tickets for this season. And I was like, all right, okay. And then honestly, like the day or, or two after the club was said, right, we've cut it off. So um, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not going to say that. If I was doing it myself, I would have done otherwise. But I, I, I think I would have been more, more split over it. But I can't wait really to get back. To be honest, you get you it as a as a present. Is, so is, you know when your parents it, buy your Christmas and birthday presents. No, wait, Chris? I was just going to say, is it harding on your dad here, you? No, oh, right, okay. <laughs> there was. Yeah. You were building that up for something, were you? Right, okay. <laughs> no, I think um, to be fair, I'm in exactly the same boat as me. Like as much as um, just took the took the mic. Um, I think like like when they took them off sale, they, it was like it was probably like gut punch because despite everything that's gone on, like it's and despite, despite like we all know, well how how I think a lot of us feel now about what's been going on recently and the people in charge and stuff like it's your club in it and it's um it's hard, it's horrible the the thought yeah. that you might not not be able to be there to to watch them. 
that was it. I mean, I've like I, I've not missed a home game now for coming up kind of like ten years since I moved like back to Sunderland. There's, there's never been like a match day where like I've not gone to the game. So for that concept, it seems really weird to me that I could be like in the city on the day of the game, but I wouldn't uh, be able to yeah. go. It's just such a weird concept for us to get my head around. So hopefully, even if this social distance, we will be able to get back because it's what we all love mm. doing, regardless of who the owners are, who the managers are. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as well because they're, they're allowing up to six in one bubble out the there bubble, to, sit, yeah. to, to sit a couple of seats apart. Just on that, and I, I, I'm assuming you're probably going to get on it, but like, I actually think the, the plans that they've put out are actually really quite impressive. I thought, yeah, um, yeah I agree. It, it, they've, they've, there's obviously a lot, a lot of time and effort well. and consideration gone into it, and I think. Um, Where can people read those plans if they haven't read them already? They are. They were on. They were on ready to go um, via the. Um, I think via the, via the branch liaison. Yeah, it was the BRC. Right. I got. Yeah. I got sent a link to a thread on ready to go. And I yeah. don't know. Well, if I you want to share that on Twitter, Chris, just in case people haven't read them, and then we'll just yeah, we're, we're not going about it. We'll just let people read those for themselves. Yeah. I don't know if it's been published elsewhere. That, I just got sent it, so I don't know if it's. I looked at Red and White Army early, and it wasn't there. So right. um, ready to go is where I saw it. Right. Okay. But, the, but we'll I mean, tweak, we'll... in simple terms, it, they they have had to set the capacity of the stadium based on the space in the concourse. Yeah, is that that, that correct? But Something I'm not like sure that. whether they were going to open that space up further so that they could, or whether they would just close the concourse totally. I, I think that the bit that jumped out at me was like the east stand. They said it, the way it's working, they could currently only have I think it was like 28 percent capacity, yeah. which is obviously less than even like the third that we previously talked about so I'm guessing there's but I think but then you said it there like Steve like you can you can book as a bubble of people together so um, I I think to to be fair it's going to be quite complex how how they're going to go about it but um, but, the atmosphere will be strange really strange it'll be really weird it'll be like did did people go to the, the Leicester game yeah, it'll be like it'll be it'll be like that. Not quite as bad because I think there was only six thousand in the ground, but that was when they like opened the whole ground up so you could have your normal seat in that. Yeah, but only like six k turned up, so you had like <laughs> so it was like you'd be sat there and the next person would be like thirty seats away or something like that. I, th- I think I think what um, I took away from that Leicester game is how depressing it must have been to support Darlow when they played at them um, the George yeah. Reynolds Arena. Like, do you mean? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be weird because they are opening the the concourse back up now, aren't they? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what they're they're, 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 they had to, had course, yeah, to, yeah. yeah. Um, just quickly then on on, on that, Mick, and you, you brought up earlier, a lot of people suggesting that the players will play better without this um, weight of expectation on them. Now, the Leicester result of performance would suggest otherwise. For example, <laughs> um, what do people think about that? I mean, I think my point was more kind of specifically to Will Grigg given his lack of confidence I do actually think that um, it'll be a bit of a deterrent to us because I do think that when things were going well under Parkinson the atmosphere within the stadium was really good and I do think there were a couple of goals where I'm not going to go as far to say the crowd can claim an assist but where like when we were pressing really high up the crowd really encouraged it and the goal that um, I think it was Gooch scored against Lincoln when they were kind of messed around the back and the roar of the crowd as we were pressing and it kind of built up to a crescendo and then when the ball like went in the back of the net like particularly where I was like kind of the celebrations were kind of like 
really, really good, considering it was like a standard kind of win against Lincoln, and we were like mid-table at the time. So I do think that it might be a detriment to us without that kind of like passionate support roaring us on. But on a more individual basis, I think it could benefit the likes of Will Grigg, if that makes sense. What kind of numbers Hopefully. are we talking about having in the ground? I know they've capped the season tickets at 12 and a half. As they said they were going to try and push for another two or 3,000, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Because if that's the case, that having 12,000 through the gates will still be higher than Wigan's average attendance last season. So we're still going to have, well, we will do because we've got the biggest, you know, biggest ground. So we've got more space to put people in. But, you know, it, there'll still be a significant amount of people. And you'd probably be able to hear someone a little bit clearer as well if, if someone starts <laughs> to get, especially if it's like an anti Will Grigg person and they, they start making their mouth go, you will be able to hear them. <laughs> Um, well, just, just some dart at the front. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the play, you know the players. The players might like kind of. It might sting them a little more, like you know, like uh, Daryl Strawberry in the in the Simpsons episode. Where, <laughs> <laughs> they just start chanting to, his name. <laughs> to be fair, though, I think like because um, they're talking about they're still talking about September twelfth being the first day of the season, aren't they? Yeah. Um, no fixtures. And and. Um, so, yeah, so they're still talking about that, and then so fans won't be in until October at the earliest. So I think I think what you're saying there, Nick, is like a fair point. You like, there's a bit of an opportunity if we do do what we've talked about tonight about Greg. Um, there's a bit of an opportunity for him to hit the ground running and get his get his confidence up before before fans even get on the ground, and then you have like the the added upside of fans are coming in the ground and they've watched them on a stream for three weeks scoring a couple of goals and they're like oh actually that, that's to be fair I think I think the idea in my, in my opinion that um, they get scared off by the crowd is a little bit overblown I actually think for all um, for all we can be quite demanding I think I think we put up with a lot and I think we do actually get behind the team really quite well um, so I actually to be honest, Nick couldn't have said it better for me. I think for some individual players who might be struggling on confidence, yeah, it might help. But I actually think overall, it's it's probably yeah. a negative for us. Like it, it for like you've got to think our home record over the last two seasons. It's actually been really good. Yeah, um, and there's there's a reason for that. It's not like it it is to do with the fans in the ground. Right. No, I agree. And. Uh, it was interesting the other day Dean Smith was interviewing the telly and he got asked do you think it helps or hinders the players and he said all players are different some prefer it some yeah. don't so I, I I don't think we can really um, make an exact science of that so just right we're going to finish up now I only want your one word answers for this I'm going to give you three options A, B or C and you're all going to give me A, B or C and that's where we're going to finish okay the oh, yeah. club have um, said that they are in exclusivity with somebody in, in terms of buying the club. Now, they have said that. Because I think numerous people, uh, numerous, uh, many of us have been told by interested parties that is the line. Is this so question going to get me in trouble again? No, no, no. So the club, ha- <laughs> the club have said that. Um, <laughs> three options, three possible options here, right? The club are talking to somebody none of us know about. That's A. B... The club are talking to somebody we do know about and they're just staying tight-lipped on the situation. Or C, this is all one massive red herring. 
and I want an A, B or C from you. So reminder, A, this is a group or a consortium we don't know anything about and that's why information um, hasn't been coming out. B, it's somebody we do know about and they're putting everybody off by saying it's not us um, because they're NDA. Or C, this is all one big red heron for whatever agenda that might be. Richard? C. Chris? C. Mick? Landslide C. Okay. Thanks for listening. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.